Yes, we are uh, the City on the Edge podcast. Um, we record more or less every other week. We have shows on Albuquerque history, Albuquerque culture, really any kind of stories or anything that's interesting about living in Albuquerque that catches our eye. Um, for instance, in the last few weeks, we did an episode on Albuquerque's current um, crime issues with Elise Kaplan from the Albuquerque Journal, who is a crime reporter there. And the week before that, we discussed... Uh, in a fair amount of depth, the Civil War battle that, uh, or skirmish that took place in Albuquerque, uh, which a lot of people might not know about. And then the week before, the episode before that, we discussed Little Beaver Town, a theme park that existed for a brief period in the 1960s on the eastern edge of Albuquerque. So we, we cover a lot of ground, and we are thrilled to be here at the, uh, at the Maker Fair. Um, and going to tell a little bit, talk a little bit to some of the uh, some of the people who are here today. Um, my name is Ty Bannerman. I'm Nora Hickey. I'm Mike Smith. And uh, let's see who's here with us today. If you guys want to just pass the microphone around and introduce yourself and kind of uh, what what you're doing here at the fair. My name is Wendy Flybutter, and I'm a director of the Maker Fair. And with us today, we have two amazing makers from different ends of the spectrum. I'll pass it on. Woo. Hello, I'm Adric Menning. I am a board member at QLab and uh, one of the founders of the, one of our first makerspaces here in town. Hi, I'm Britta Sauer and I'm with the uh, Public Library of Albuquerque, Bernco County. And I uh, run the ABQ Bernco Seed Library. So I thought we'd start uh, just talking with you, Wendy, a little bit about what the Maker Fair is all about, what is a maker, and uh, kind of the history of uh, what's going on here today. Well, the Maker Fair, we've been putting, we're in our sixth year, and it is a celebration and a show and tell of what people make. And it's the concept that we're more than consumers, we're makers, and we make the world around us. And so we have basically a show and tell and celebration of what people in New Mexico are making. And that comes from all different aspects, you know, like here we have some agriculture and tech with us. And most of a lot of the booths have hands-on activities and also where you can kind of see inside of how things are done. Today we have all kinds of things. We've got glass blowers and we have uh, mills or, or CNC machines and 3D printers and you can make draw bots and you can learn to solder and there's virtual welding and robots and all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, this is the Albuquerque Mini Maker Fair, and there are over 300 maker fairs throughout the world, and there are even in other countries. It's quite exciting to see the rise of makers and the celebration of what people make and being creative. Very cool. What does um, the mini part mean? The mini part is there's only there's a couple of flagship fairs which you know gather about 60,000 people. And since we're under that, that's where the mini part okay. comes in. <laughs> so is this something of a movement then? Uh, it sounds like uh, if it's going on all over the world, it's a it's got to be a movement. Where where does it come from? Oh, Adric here. Um, well, it's kind of interesting for us um, as uh, with QLab, uh, we rose about a little under two years before the Maker Fair kind of found us, and um, we were having meetings and we got a visit by. 
uh, Lady Shirelle, who's quite involved in the Maker Fair here, um, and wanted to get it happening. Um, and so she dropped by one of our big meetings and said, I want to have a Maker Fair in Albuquerque. And I said, I'm, I'm very supportive of this, but it sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> I was really right. Um, but so it was really neat because we were already getting people together. At that point, QLab was, the concept of QLab was really a shared uh, garage worth of tools for us to uh, do projects and work on things with. And, um, and that was really the concept we had. So we just kind of pooled the tools we had together, rented at the cheapest place we could find, and just kind of did the, 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 the idea of, if we build it, will they come? And uh, together, just QLab itself and the Maker Fair, I think really synergistically work together because the Maker Fair helped pull makers together and QLab helped create a space that the rest of the year they could be makers at. And uh, so that was kind of a neat way it, it tied together. And I think it really did mimic the larger movement that's happening many other places. Very cool. um, back to your, your question about the movement, it's it very much so. Um, we're now seeing more and more stores are selling parts and bits and things again which for a long time it had gotten down to the point you couldn't even buy a model uh, car that didn't already have every decal stuck on it and everything, maybe two parts that snapped together and that was the, the idea of a kit down uh, the modern times. Hmm. When in the past you got a block of wood and some, some instructions and things like that. Yeah. And so it's really neat to see people kind of going back to the roots and learning a little bit of this kind of hands-on thing and it's never been easier because with China and the electronics revolution and everything else, the bits and pieces to make your dreams happen are now much more possible. Interesting. Exactly. Wow. So much. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sure. What do we? Uh, what do we see? What you're. So what? What are you doing here at the fair today, Britta? Uh, Britta Sauer from um, Albuquerque Public Library. Um, yeah, so I liked what Wendy said about um, not just being consumers, but being um, makers and sort of sharing um, things. So that's where the seed library comes in. We're very much um, interested in that shared sort of economy situation. <laughs> uh, so um, we're, we operate a seed library um, out of the Wantabo branch of the library system. Um, where anyone with a library card can check out um, packets of seed. Um, and hopefully they'll cultivate those seeds um, and maybe bring back second generations to us so that our collection is made up of um, seeds that have grown up in Albuquerque. So that's sort of we're, that's what we're trying to share with the rest of this uh, maker community. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Keep, keep Which going, is yeah. actually a really important part of local economy, and that's where makers come in. You know, everything from farmers markets to even recycling so much of the waste we have here. You know, if it comes from the take apart zone where you're finding a capacitor, you could find nothing else. Or if you're getting those seeds and you're using them year after year so they get stronger and they grow better here, it's all about supporting the people and who we are as a community. And I'd, I'd like to add a little to that, too, because with the maker movement, too, it's now easier and easier for people to do things like programmed watering for one zone versus another zone in their yards and things like that with just cheap off-the-shelf parts that, you know, used to be a, a quite an ordeal to get all set mm -hmm. up and doing and things like that. So I think it's kind of neat, too, and, and the synergy between the, you know, the, the electronic side and the, and the growing side is really not as far as a lot of people think it is. That's cool. I think it's interesting that uh, you guys have mentioned um, this being a sort of a, a counter movement to uh, to consumerism. 
And I wonder if uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about why that's important to you guys. Uh, maybe if each of you has something to say about that, we can kind of pass it around. Let's start with Britta. <laughs> <laughs> you, look, you look the most worried. Um, why, is it, why, is import, why is it important that people would go to the public library to check out seeds as opposed to just buy a packet of the seeds that are on the shelf at the, uh, at the supermarket, every supermarket? <laughs> well, we need to stay in business because <laughs> we are <laughs> a library. But, um, I mean, some of the rewarding things that have come from um, working with the Seed Library product, project is that it is a very different way of making community um, than maybe we've been doing in previous sort of models with the public library. It's a way for people to be participatory in their sort of own collection that they're creating. Um, and I think that's a really powerful um, feeling when you're actually participating and sharing with other people. Uh, it removes a lot of the barriers. Uh, we are uh, also part of our project. We um, operate a seed swap once a year in February. And it's just a really powerful um, a meeting of all these people who are <laughs> really invested in um, just sharing their seeds and the cultural resources that come with that. I mean, all these seeds have a sort of cultural history, um, either short or long. Um, you know, some of the seeds we see have been cultivated for generations and generations. So it's also a way of keeping um, some of that cultural memory alive. Um, so I think that's the benefit of this sort of shared system. Can you give us like an example of what, uh, what kind of uh, seeds um, might have that sort of cultural history that you're talking about? Well, I mean, New Mexico has a pretty um, very special agricultural history. Um, you know, these the pueblos in our communities and in New Mexico have been, um, you know, agricultural bastions for quite a while. Um, so there are a lot of seeds um, that have been collected and shared um, from those communities that... Um, we keep in the seed library and share in the seed library. Um, I think those are really pretty special and we need to keep those things going, especially, and I don't wanna get too much into the sort of big agriculture thing, but you know, I think keeping agriculture uh, as local as we can and sort of uh, is where the strength comes from and that's where we're going to find a lot of our uh, sustainability and sort of, um, yeah, sustained agriculture over a long time in changing uh, environmental conditions. So I think that's super important too. Very cool. So how about you, Adric? Um, whoa. Okay, are we uh, away from the effect. feedback now? <laughs> <laughs> that was Adric beaming in. He uh, briefly teleported away. Um, that's something they're working on at QLab. So um, let's see what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, uh, makerism as a sort of uh, counter to consumerism. Um, maybe you could uh, tell us how QLab fits into that. Absolutely. Um, I did want to tack on just a teeny bit onto what she said. I'm, plants are not my major specialty, but I am a geek of all trades, so I do I dabble in almost everything. And I know for a fact that there are some plants that just even after just one season of growing here versus whatever seed you know big big company seed bank or whatever they came from, 
do really change their attributes. They, they, you know, they'll learn when the springs are and, and they, they, they have a harsh summer and things like that. And, and you know, those ones that survive are the ones that go for the next round. But um, back to your question, um, uh, really it's kind of neat because I mean, QLab has started in a basically a zero dollar sort of uh, idea. I mean, we had some funding and some money, but so much of everything we did was based on getting used tools, getting used equipment, fixing it, and things like that too. So we're taking a lot of things that were just rusting in garages and, and languishing away and not, not getting used, and they've turned into beautiful pieces of, of a machinery that are enabling people to make bigger and better and neat things too. And so that's taught us a lot about refurbishing and what's worth it and what's not worth it and you know how to, how to even scrap things out to recycle them. A, 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 a non-trivial portion of our funding actually comes from the stuff that we just take to the scrapyards from donations after we've stripped it down and turned it into metal and plastic and everything else. And part of that is really great too because it's, it, it's available materials really quick for people. We've got, we've got components, we've got boards, we've got motors, we've got belts, we've got rods and things like that that come out of these things yeah. that if you bought them alone would be hundreds of dollars worth of parts a lot of times and you can get them literally for free and, and, and possibly even, you know, uh, uh, and remake your projects based around them. But even more so beyond all of that, yeah. you end up with a, um, uh, a neat ecosystem where you can trade things back and forth too. I've got a garage full of this thing. Yeah. I've got, you know, four of these things in my, my trunk. You know, they're languishing when they're in your thing, but when somebody else has a need for them, they're now a useful thing. So it kind of turns junk into treasure in a neat way. And I think that is really important because we're so trained to just go to Walmart and buy that thing whenever it breaks or you, you, the parts. And with QLab and many other maker spaces and just the, the kind of the idea behind these types of things are maybe you can tear it apart and fix it. Maybe you can tear it apart and make it better. Maybe you can tear it apart and uh, make it do the thing you've always wanted it to do or even a totally new, new way to look at how it goes. And I think that is important for our country and our culture because you know, we have to stay innovative, we have to stay cool, and we can't just rely on the colleges and the, the mill programs and things like that, the, the, the certificate, certificate uh, colleges and things like that, to really teach everyone all these bits and pieces mm -hmm. because so much of it is just knowledge built upon little bits of knowledge built upon little bits of knowledge that you, you, can't, you can't fast load that in any way, shape, or form. It's, it's only kind of through the doing and making that you're gonna find that. Do you remember the first thing you made where you felt, I'm a maker? Well, the interesting part about that I have is um, it really wasn't a term at that point. You know, it was, you know, you had inventor, you had mad scientist, you had uh, tinkerer, and things like that. No, I don't think maker had really made it specifically into the, the, the uh, vernacular. Um, and, uh, yeah. But I, I was born into a, a very creative environment. My mother was uh, very bookish and collected lots of, lots of texts and everything else. And my father was very much a maker. He was a mad, mad scientist maker. I've always thought of him that from my, my birth. And so I, I grew up in the footsteps of that and, and learning just even sometimes just deciphering what the parts of things were on his benches and things like that became a game early on for us. So uh, probably the first thing I was really proud of making was, was a crossbow. Um, and uh, it used, uh, used a fiberglass, just normal kid's, kid's bow for the main part, but I built the whole stock and the, the triggering mechanism and figured out how to modify arrow, normal arrows to work in it and everything else. And, wow. you know, for a, for a preteen boy, it was awesome. I could wow, yeah. things. And I had 10 acres of land, so it wasn't as dangerous as many people would yeah. be that way, but um, you know, uh, I, I was taught some good lessons early on. 
So, uh, Wendy, would you like to talk a little bit about the, the counter-consumerist aspect of the Maker Faire? Yeah, as far as the counter-consumerism, there's something where community and knowledge and where that comes together gives us a really safe and secure society. And, you know, we've all heard bring it local, and it makes us function on a local level, and it makes us less vulnerable to things that happen outside. You know, when you know people that can fix things and we know how things work, it makes us, it, it empowers us and it empowers us to grow. And when we can grow our own food and we can be healthy in it, it offers a life that we wouldn't have otherwise. And I see that as very important to humanity growing and ex you know, expanding our brains and making really good decisions for our future. And how did you get into the maker I, mode? You know, I, I actually come from the Bay Area and I was very involved. Uh, from the early 90s in what became Burning Man and it, what became the some of the flagship maker fairs. Wow. And, you know, I worked with a lot of performance groups that were robotics oriented. And, and somehow it was just an interest that I had and I fell into that counterculture cool. a long time ago. That's great. Yeah. Well, New Mexico has a real history of experimental living and, you know, yeah. from the communes to... The just, earth ships. Yeah, would oh yeah, that the be earth ships. Maker, like, yeah. yeah, just it's like a good place to be a desert weirdo. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like, doing our own things. Yeah, that's really cool. It's a place where you're a weirdo amongst other weirdos, so yeah. you're exactly normal. Yeah, that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot less judgment, and also people aren't afraid to fail. In fact, failing and showing projects projects that are in process are really awesome because, you know, as we said earlier, well, this is a great place for something to break down. There's 54 people that could probably help you. <laughs> nice. Very cool. Do you think that peop more people make than they realize they make? And that... Absolutely. I've, I've run into countless situations where you run into people that are just kind of conditioned into thinking that they're not really makers or they haven't really invented anything. They're not really, you know, they're not, they haven't life hacked anything on their own or whatnot, which is kind of a, mo a modern nomenclature term for it. And, uh, and the really funny part is if you follow them for like 20 minutes, you can find like three things that they've, they've hacked or made or, or makered or whatnot, and they didn't even realize it. Um, I, I, a really classic example was one that I think I had, it was a grand total of six minutes before I discovered that she'd figured out a neat way to put those little hook and loop uh, scrubby pads on those Swiffers and figured out that was a great way oh, to yeah. buff a floor and things like that. I'm like, <laughs> um, that's, that's a hack right there. Where'd you figure that out from? Oh, I don't know. I just got figured out the other day. Well, you're a maker. You know? yeah. it's, not, it's not that you know, it has to be a everyone is a maker thing, but everyone is a maker. You know? it's, it's right. just, it just takes a little bit to wake them up, and it's, it's like a muscle. The more you do it, the better you get at it. Right. That's cool. And so it seems like a community is a really important aspect of what you guys are doing. Um, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the role of... Uh, of building community in, uh, in your various projects. And again, we can talk uh, with, uh, with Britta again. Well, yeah. well just uh, how does uh, seed saving and seed sharing, how does, that, how does that build community? And then why is it important to do that? Well, I mean, it, it's sort of been uh, touched on in a few ways um, in making a more, a stronger community. Um, so when we save seeds uh, and 
especially in New Mexico, what we do is we select for traits um, that are going to do well in a very difficult environment. Um, when we do that and then we share those seeds, we're going to make a much more resilient um, community. Um, it, there's also this sort of um, sense of being sort of uh, this food sovereignty, I guess, is a way to sort of put it. Uh, it's a way for us to sort of, as a community, be in control of our food system. Um, and by, you know, growing our own food, saving seeds, we are directly <laughs> making that um, food system ourselves. Uh, so I think that's um, super important. Um, I think I think everyone does have this um, capacity to save seeds, but I also, you know, do want people to learn how to do it uh, responsibly, um, but also to do it because I feel like there's a little urgency to that because I think it is in some ways sort of an endangered skill. So I, I, I want people to. <laughs> so how do people it. do it irresponsibly? <laughs> <laughs> well, not, yeah. Um, I mean, there are things to keep in mind when you're seed saving, um, the cross-pollination um, between the same yeah, variety is going to give you a seed that's not going to be, it's not going to come true is what we call it. Um, so you don't really want things to cross-pollinate, that's one thing. Um, other things to think about when seed saving is making sure that you um, are growing a population that's going to have that's large enough to have a great amount of genetic diversity, which is what we also need for um, really nice and strong seed stock. So, those are a few ways that you maybe not irresponsibly, but right. less responsibly. <laughs> so. Do you garden yourself? Sorry. Do you garden yourself? Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so, what's your favorite uh, like kind of variety? Of, uh, of crop that you've gotten from the yeah, seed library? Um, so a few things, I mean, projects that I'm, seed saving projects I'm working on. Um, my favorite plant is uh, a safflower. Um, it's called Corallus azafran. Um, it, so it actually comes from Corallus. Um, and it's a beautiful little flower. I guess that's where the safflower oil comes from, but um, that's one thing that I'm working on. Um, I'm also growing a crop of um, pink corn that I got from northern New Mexico at a seed swap. Um, so hopefully that will work out. I'm not sure. <laughs> but fingers crossed. What's a good one that you can't kill? <laughs> well, actually, some of the wild, uh, the other, another thing that I'm trying to grow, and I think I'm giving it too much attention, is the devil's claw. I don't know if you've oh, seen yeah. that. It's sometimes actually considered a weed. But I pulled those out of my foot. I <laughs> those are the really, they look like the hook. rattlesnake. Yeah, 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 looks yeah. Like but they're pretty, I mean, they were, um, they, they have been cultivated over time as a domesticated crop. Um, Women used it uh, for basket weaving, um, and they would actually, uh, the story I've heard is that they would also eat the seeds as they were creating these uh, these hooks for basket weaving, and that's how that particular variety <laughs> is uh, sort of, Spread. yeah, <laughs> but they selected, basically selected, they found the best hooks, huh. and so. Um, what do the seeds taste like? I, I don't know, I haven't them. actually <laughs> tried it, but... Um, I'm sure they've got some nice uh, vitamins and <laughs> essential oils or something in there, yeah. so I don't I, know. 
I'm like 37 and I have still never understood seeds. Seeds are just like the most amazing thing to me. They're the ultimate makers. How do you take a little dried up pellet and turn it into a tree? It's just the most phenomenal thing. Right, yeah. And that's, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. I guess a forest is a maker's fair, yeah. right? And sometimes yeah. people ask why a library would share seeds. And yeah. I sort of said that, you know, there's as much genetic information in a seed right. as you might find in a book or more. So it makes perfect sense that this it's information amazing. is shared. It's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a slight little cross question on that one, uh, if it's all right. Um, have you found that it actually has brought in uh, like seed makers to actually network with each other and chit chat and things like that? I mean, or is it just drop off an anonymous donation and then someone else pick up and things like that? Yeah, well, we actually, um, uh, part of this participatory aspect is um, we have these, what we call community seed packing nights. We're actually having one, I don't know when this is going to air, but August 30th at the Wantabo Library. Um, but it's a great way for people, they actually help us process all of the seeds that will be going in the collection. Um, so it's a great way, A, for people just to, I call it seed therapy, because just touching the <laughs> seeds, like I, I've actually seen people go in that are, you can tell they had a bad day, and then after a oh. session of <laughs> touching seeds, they're, they're much better. Um, huh. But it's a way for us to process the seeds and get them ready. Um, it's a great sort of sharing of information. People, you know, talk about their chickens, what works best for them, what they're growing together. It's just a really great way to sort of learn as you're helping us. <laughs> way cool. So tell us about your community, Adric. Tell us about QLab. Um, who are the people who go to QLab, and what do you guys do? Well, QLab community is a very diverse group, um, and that's uh, probably even an understatement. But um, it's really neat, because we do get people from basically all walks of life. We get, we've got rich entrepreneurs, we've got young, uh, poor college students, we've got people that are, are you know, interested in permaculture, we've got people that are interested in super high-tech sciences, uh, and all of the above. I mean, it, it, a lot of them can't even be pigeonholed into 50 categories or, or less, I think. Um, and that's a, a common trait for makers is they're very often kind of spread spectrum in what they're interested in. And that's actually one of the things I love most is where they intersect, you know, where you, you, you cross photography with uh, like uh, 3D machining or you cross electronics with, with, uh, with fabrics or you, you know, start integrating uh, electronic systems in with your gardening and things like that. I think it's really neat because all the places where you can find, you can, you can enhance or benefit from that. And we find that in our membership too. I mean, uh, it's, it's, a lot of it is who, you know, in an organization like this, it's always a little bit tricky to find the people that it's a perfect fit for. So we started very early on with a, a simple system of, we're open generally twice a week for the public to come in and check out QLab and see the tools. And the tools are really neat, but then I also have to tell everyone, it's the community of all the other people around that's the really neat part. because. When people are geeking out on something, they understand it generally in the minutia and are really excited about mm. telling you about it, which sometimes is not your thing, but oftentimes it's just so neat. When somebody is passionate about something, you'll learn so much more than somebody standing in front of it lecturing about blah, 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 <laughs> and everything else. Um, so that, that I find really neat. And with the makers, too, I mean, you just watch eyes light up and get the excitement and the wheels turn in their heads and things like that when they, they see the machines or the tools that they've never had before. And, and all of a sudden, they're, sometimes you even run into people that get uh, maker, uh, uh, paraly uh, uh, maker paralyzing uh, or uh, kind of being paralyzed with the idea of, I don't have a project. I don't... <laughs> 
I, I um, uh, uh, you know, and you know, give them 30 minutes and it'll all come, just comes in, but it's just that, that kind of immediate thing of, oh, now that I've got all the tools handy, I have a complete uh, you know, writer's block, basically. <laughs> and, uh, but, um, so you, you see that in the people. Um, you know, we get people all over. I mean, some of them are serious hardcore nerds that you know, um, you know, may not even have, you know, most of their time is spent on their projects and everything else. And you got other people that are just the, the social butterflies and they're, they're just here to figure it out. And it's, it's really neat because they all work pretty well together. And you would think that you know, a lot of these people wouldn't necessarily you know, ever meet up in any other way except for the fact of their passions of, of making and tinkering and putting things together. And that builds a strong community in a lot of ways because just like her seeds and things like that, she was talking about how you didn't want kind of a, a monoculture or, you know, uh, you know uh, uh, only one, one, one strain of, of the, the genetic codes and things like that. We, we're, we're doing the exact same thing with mines. You're getting a whole lot of mine codes together. And, uh, and for that, I mean, it's like having a genius think tank right at your beck and call because all of a sudden you've got this project, you don't know where to start on it or you're stumped in the middle of it. Once again, you'll get 50 answers if you, if you poke around, and all of them will be good answers. They might be completely different answers, and that's sometimes the trick is finding the right path for you in that environment. But even that, it's great because it's not a one-track path, and it always gives you room to grow and expand and find things. That's cool. What, what sort of projects are, uh, are being worked on at QLab now? Well, that changes from day to day. But um, the neat part is um, some of our big tools really inspire people to do things, and including even launching businesses. Uh, we've got a group there that makes what's called uh, uh, battle-ready uh, light blades. Or, uh, um, so they're basically, um, if, 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 if Lucas is not listening, they're basically lightsabers. Um, and they're designed for light whacking around. So uh, they'll actually go out and um, uh, bruise each other up a bit um, with these lighted sabers on UNM campus periodically. And they've actually built whole groups of people that uh, completely geek out on this. And they've got color tuning and sound effects and what? special other features and things like that. And they actually have like sparring uh, rankings and things like that. And that was all built using our lathes and some of our metal shop for the handles and uh, machining the plastics for it and, and testing a lot because you don't want the, one of these things to shatter in somebody's face or something. Oh, so they're like oh. made of... I assumed they weren't actual laser swords, but so they're made of plastic? So most of them are made with a flexible plastic. Um, we do actually have a couple there that they've been lighting with la lasers, but for the most part it's actually been um, uh, LED lighting. Um, both cases, they're just using them for light, not for like searing off arms and legs and things like oh, that, like, like the classic movie ones. Uh, we'll have to wait till the next generation for those ones. You have to sign um, a waiver. But, but beyond all that, we also have a, a full woodworking shop, so people I've seen crank out everything from like complete kitchen cabinetry um, to a boat to um, side, side uh, 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 panniers for their motorcycle, you name it. And, and all sorts of neat wood projects, bat, bat houses. Um, uh, you know, uh, jewelry boxes, every, you know, all everything in between. Um, I've seen people use our darkroom for uh, creative, uh, super long exposure photography developing. Cool. I've seen people using our textiles room, um, mixing things like aluminum plate with, with fabric to, uh, to make costuming and things like that. Um, uh, you get into our 3D printing lab and it's just crazy because people, I mean, everything from shelf brackets to uh, complete, complete enclosures and robots and everything else get printed out. Um, and then the electronics lab, they get wired up. And so little bits and pieces throughout the whole, whole place make for kind of a, a one shop 
one-stop area that people can both learn, create, teach, uh, tinker, improve, and um, and just kind of uh, live, work with what they're working on. And this is free. So it's not free. Okay. Q QLab does have two free night or two nights of week where we invite people to come in and visit us and things like that. And like all good um, uh, dealers out there, our, your first visit's for free, uh -huh. and uh, just to get you hooked. Um, and but for the most part, most of our funding and most of our operation works upon memberships. So people subscribe, much like you would for a gym or a uh, uh, you know any other type membership type thing. And uh, I'm not going to mention the specific prices. Just I don't know how, how podcasting works, but I know or the radio doesn't. But you can go QLab.net is our main website. We have Check no rules. Okay. In that case, it works out to 40 bucks a month generally. Uh, and then we have family plans where it's like 40 bucks for the first person and half price for everyone after that. Cool. So that you can get whole families in. We don't have any membership plans for anyone under 18 currently. But members under 18 or people under 18 are welcome to be with their parent or guardian there making away. And we've actually have several sets of, of uh, the kid is the maker, the parent is the, is, is the follower, and they come around and sit on our couch and hang out and make sure the kid doesn't get in trouble. And it, it, the amazing part is so many of these that come through are just the most amazing, most uh, mature, uh, you know, kids that I've ever run into too. So, you know, cool. while there are dangerous machines around and everything else and that's why we we'll always have the parental watching and things like that rules so rarely has it really been a major issue or case that it's really neat to see that's cool so Wendy um, wait, wait for the mic to be there but uh, so this uh, I'd say the Maker Fair itself has become a community I wanted, wondered if maybe you could tell us a little bit about the, the community that's here today and, and what people are doing out there and kind of what your plans are for the, the growth of this particular community. So the Maker Fair brings all kinds of communities together. I mean, from here we, you know, we have the Seed Library all the way over to Q Lab, and I love the fact that it does bring all these different communities together because none of us can do any can do everything, and so it's really good that we share all of our knowledge and meet each other because that's just going to really expand our quality of life and what we have access to. And everybody has their own niche and their own quirk and their area of interest. So we hope that the Makers Fair can bring some of those people together so that they can communicate and they start to learn and meet each other. It seems like about 10 years ago, there was so much going on in the state, but everybody was doing their own thing in their own garage. And, and now I'm seeing more interactions in different groups, even outside of the fair, and things starting to come together. And when that happens, you get this synergy. And then when you have all these different communities, that one community that are supporting each other, it really does enhance our quality of life. And that's part of the reason why I love the Maker's Fair, is that it covers all aspects of it. And hopefully they all get a chance to meet each other and interact. Are there any um, booths you could highlight for us? Or oh my goodness, there's so many cool booths. I don't even know where to start. Yeah, there's the Seed Library. There's the Lego <laughs> Society is here. We have the Glass Alliance um, out there blowing glass, Prairie Dog Glass. We have Dragon Lee, and she is a local fire maker, and so she's out there with hers. And then we also have Fuse Maker Space. And we have um, Intel over here is making draw bots. We have... Uh, Oh my goodness, we have so much robotics upstairs, I wouldn't even know where to start. But we also have the Albuquerque, Albuquerque Gaming Guild, uh, and they make, you know, they develop a lot of games, and they're a real fun, interesting wow. group. And then we have a lot of schools that are involved, too. Uh, oh, and we have the Rocket Society, and then we have Make Rocket, so you can actually go and make a rocket and launch it today. 
if you'd like. And then we have drone workshops, which is fun too, and you get to keep your drone. We have a woman that makes chain mail, and she makes chain mail that's actually even functional, not to wear as far as fighting for for <laughs> saber swords, but but more like you can use it in the kitchen or it's jewelry or it's gonna be a bag or something useful. And she's quite amazing. She's uh, making medieval modern. And we have a couple people here that are painting. We have learn to solder, so you can learn to solder. And yeah, we have a, one of the robotics, a lot of the robotics upstairs are also geared towards, um, you know, teaching the younger generations how this works, which is going to be great because I'm going to need them one day, right? Uh-huh. And we also have the ham radio people here, and that's really cool, something I would like to get into. And then we also have a program that's a rapid develop, uh, rapid prototyping, and there's two. There's one with CNM, and then there's an independent group upstairs that is developing rapid prototyping and teaching the younger generations within the schools. So there's a lot of STEM outreach here and a really great place to network. Oh, and then we have people with music. Bandojo over there. They do amazing things. You guys should go yourself. They're on the other side, okay. where it, you interact with objects to make music, and it really takes the stress out of, I don't know how to play an instrument, yeah. but adding the fun into it to make you realize that you are creative. I mean, you know, everybody is a maker, like Adric said, and we don't accept that. We think it's some title we have to earn rather than a spark within us that just exists. And not to be judged with what level or what kind or where you are, but just to be. And this is a really great place to be accepted and celebrated for the differences because we need all of that to make that diverse community that's going to give us a really good quality of life. So um, obviously people uh, who are listening to this uh, at home or on their drive are not going to be able to, uh, to be, be here today. <laughs> um, when, is the, uh, when is the next Maker Fair going to occur? And are there any uh, interesting plans associated with that? Well, we are moving. Maker's Fair has been in the fall for the last six years. We are going to move to the springtime because we think that's going to be better for, ev- for so many reasons. I can't even tell you. So look for us at the end of next April. I think it's like the, it's near Earth Day. Okay, cool. And we're going to be at the Balloon Museum. And so keep your eye out. We'd love to have you to come down and share in the celebration. Okay. And uh, how about uh, QLab? Are there going to be any interesting QLab projects or events coming up? Yeah, actually, um, I know um, this winter, this fall, uh, one of our QLab members is planning on launching a large, uh, 20-foot on a side pyramidal solar balloon with tracking. Um, we don't have a date yet set for that, but we plan to do it. It's probably going to be a bit flexible because we have to wait for right wind conditions and a variety of other things. But it will be doing tracking and telemetry and all sorts of things on that. So look forward to that. We'll certainly post pictures and videos of that. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to think of any other big QLab uh, specific events that are coming up. I can't think of any specifically, but we do oftentimes add workshops and classes and other things. So always uh, checking out our main website or our Facebook group, on, both under the name QLab. Uh, QLab.net on our website is a great way to do all of that. And uh, um, yeah, and once again, uh, we're very much based on the interest and in, uh, of the things that are, are show up and and, uh, and the volunteers. So if there's a, something that's a burning passion for anyone to, to event-wise, um, you're always welcome to come on down. We usually have every month on the first Sunday of the month a planning meeting, which is open to the public and our members, and we just kind of go down through 
the events we know that are coming up, the events that have just recently passed, and, and just kind of try to plan out what, what this, you know, this autonomous collective of, of makers is going to do next. Cool. Cool. How about you, Britta? What's going on with the Seed Library? Well, uh, every fall and spring we offer a series of workshops in support of the Seed Library. Um, so we have a whole uh, lineup of workshops on sustainable gardening, um, composting, vermicomposting. We actually have a worm bin at the Seed Library as well. So if you're interested in just seeing a worm bin in action, you can drop by and <laughs> uh, meet our worms. Um, if you go to our website, abqlibrary.org slash seeds, or our Instagram page um, for the ABQ, ABQ Burnco Seed Library, um, we also have information about things that are coming up. And keep an eye out for our uh, February seed swap. We'll have information about that. So. Excellent. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Thank you all. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much yeah. for uh, coming on the, the show here. And um, I think you guys are like the coolest people I've ever met. That's how I'm feeling right now. Um, so I, I uh, definitely find out more about what you're doing probably in the future. And I imagine we're going to talk again. So thank you again. <laughs>